At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to episode number 37 of the Marine Layer podcast with TJ Matthewson and Lyle Goldstein. On today's pod, we'll recap the first couple of days of All-Star Week. Of course, by the time this comes out, you'll know everything that happened, but we were there to experience it all. We'll talk about some of the, our favorite things from the first couple of days. Be sure to stay tuned to our social channels for some of our content that comes out related to all this throughout the next couple of weeks. We have our now two Mariner storylines, now that we're to two episodes a week. We'll go down on the farm and we'll recap the Futures game. We were there on Saturday, and we'll tell you what we saw from Harry Ford and Jonathan Classe. We'll go around baseball with our MLB wraparound, another Russell Wilson umpire of the week, and we'll close out the show with Speak Your Mind. You heard TJ mention our social media channels. If you're not already, go over to Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube Shorts. Give us a follow at Marine Layer Pod, especially right now. With it being All-Star Week, we're pumping out a ton of content. You're not going to want to miss it. We think it's some really cool stuff, so be sure to head over there. In terms of our full podcasts, go over to Apple and Spotify if you're watching on YouTube and go give us a download, rate it. Review it. Same thing if you're listening on the audio platforms. Go watch us on YouTube, too, with our full video podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us five stars. Be sure to check us out everywhere. Let's get it rolling. We welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, recording late at night here on Sunday, July 9th. And if you can't hear it in my voice, we've had a lot of fun the first two days of All-Star Week. The Futures game was Saturday. The draft was today. We've had a blast through the first couple of days of these All-Star Week festivities. It is so good to have the game back here. It's so cool that it's back in Seattle. I mean, we've waited forever for this. We don't have any memory of it back in 2001 or barely any when it was here all those years ago, 20 plus years ago, but to actually get to experience it now in real time. Oh, by the way, with it being the inaugural year of this podcast, it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And just a reminder to all those listening, wondering why I didn't announce a guest in the intro when we said, okay, now that we're officially going to two podcasts a week, We're going to have our guest episode come out on Wednesday, and we're going to have a full podcast episode with all the topics on Friday. Well, due to some scheduling issues with Joe Doyle, who we will have on the podcast releasing on Friday, we're going to cover the Mariners' entire draft. It's going to be a fun conversation with Joe. We got to talk to him today, but some scheduling uh, mix or some scheduling complications with Joe lead us to, we're just going to push him to Friday's episode. So that'll be our guest episode everything MLB draft. We saw the first two rounds today. We'll just mention the fact that the Mariners drafted Cole Emerson, Johnny uh, Farmello. What a last name. That's that's a great last name. Ty Pete and Ben Williamson with their first four picks, the first three in the first round and Ben Williamson, a bit of a money saver in the second round. We'll get Joe's thoughts on that on Friday when we release that episode. Should be good. We'll have a lot more to comb through as well with some of the later rounds, but we went to a draft watch party today with our partners at Just Baseball. Phenomenal uh, eBay trading card event at Gantry Public House next to the stadium. was a really fun environment. Uh, Got to see all the guys all together, and and it was a a fun experience. We were really, really happy to be a part of it. We weren't sure how the turnout was going to be. Of course, you can't know before you actually get there. It was really good. There was people filing in all throughout the day doing some card trading. There was food and drinks. There was giveaways. It was really fun. In fact, I wasn't expecting this, but 
they kind of handed us off the mic at one point to help give away to a prize of some cards to a listener. And they just handed us the mic because there's a bunch of Mariners fans in there. And they go, hey, these are these are our guys at the Marine Layer podcast. They're new to just baseball. We're going to have them ask, uh, ask you guys a trivia question. And I kind of had to think on the spot, what in the world am I going to ask? And I'm sitting there, okay, what's not too hard? What's not too easy? I'm thinking. So I went with how many All-Stars were in the All-Star game the last time it was here in 2001, which was good. Nobody got it right away. And then eventually somebody landed on the eight and, and they won the prize. But yeah, it was it was a blast. The Just Baseball guys were doing a live stream of the draft the entire time. We hopped on when the Mariners picked, which was pretty fun. Yeah, it was it was really, really a cool event. And that's why I think it's such great timing that we joined the Just Baseball Podcast Network when we did, because they're all here in Seattle. Most of them are. I mean, we've gotten to see Jack for the first time in years, Arm for the first time in years. You and I had never met Peter before, so it's really good to meet Peter, Will as well, Colby, and then two people from Den of Geek who they partner with, uh, Chris and Jess were there as well. And it's, it's really good to meet all the people who make Just Baseball happen which now in small part make us happen as well. And it's and it was great to have everyone together, sat together for the Futures game on Saturday. And then again for today was the draft watch party. We'll try and catch up with them uh, as well on Monday or Tuesday. It's going to be pretty crowded for the Derby and the All-Star game. So might not be quite as easy, but we'll, we'll do our best. And I don't know, dog, I'm really looking forward to the next two days. It's, it's, it's going to be fun. Everyone listening to this, is going to know if Julio won the home run derby, but the anticipation right now, you know, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know at all. So we're just sitting here hoping. We're hoping he starts lifting the ball a lot, and hey, maybe that turns his second half around. But I'll tell you, seeing Harry Ford get the ovation that he got during the Futures game, it only makes me that much more excited for Julio because you had Mariners fans in there. The Futures game wasn't filled up or anything with 50,000 people. There's people chanting Harry, Harry, Harry as he's out there. I'm thinking if they're going like this, if they're chanting like this for Harry Ford, what is it going to be like for Julio Monday night? Did that give you hope for people in the pen? Your general fan in the pen. Do you think? Did that give you hope that they might actually know a little bit more what you're talking about? The fact they knew who Harry Ford was is a win in itself. That is a win in itself. However, I don't know if our data points are skewed because it's All-Star Week without our usual people in the pen. We've talked to some great people in the pen. Don't get us wrong. I mean, across our social channels, we really have talked to some great people. But, you know, Lyle and I tend to agree that your general super, super, super casual fan that hangs out in the pen might not know who the Mariners' top 30 prospects are, and that's totally okay. But then to see Harry, you, we're standing there, to see Harry walking out to the bullpen, and we're standing there kind of in the back of the pen, and they're chanting, and you know, look at him, it's like, what the fuck are they talking, who are they chanting to? Like, this is the Futures game, and then Harry's like, yeah, he was having a good time. <laughs> that was great. I mean, the fact they, they gave him the applause and everything, I think it was cool for him, and it was certainly cool for the fans. Yeah, I had a blast watching the Futures game. I'll tell you what, I got a kick out of the celebrity softball game for the few innings we were there. We've been going back and forth about this all week. TJ hates the celebrity softball game. I was waste all of time. E- I was eager to see Felix getting at bat, so I enjoyed it. What did he do with his at bat? I don't even remember. Well, he hit a home run later in the game, but you had forced us to leave at that point, so I didn't get to see that in person. Right. Good. But we in the at bat he had, I think he hit like a ground ball single. We saw Brett Boone hit a home run and Mike Cameron, but not Felix. Not to slight Felix. He did pick right up where he left off, giving up two runs in the top of the first. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite the way to treat a hometown legend when he when he comes home. Is is instead of the warm welcomes and cheers, he just like, well, I see you're still giving up runs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I try not to be too hard at Felix, but if he ever feels offended by his words. He can say, okay, so I'll look at my bank account and you can look at yours. And then we'll see who's actually happy here. And then I'm like, you know what? You have a pretty good point. You know, it was good. It was cool seeing all those celebrities there. I had no idea Mina was going to be there. Mina was there. Kenny Mayne was there. I I just hear Kenny Mayne's voice come over the intercom. I'm like, what? What? I would say those two are a couple of white whales of this podcast too. In the sense of Mm -hmm. if we could ever get them on, that is a huge win. Yeah, I'm glad Mina was there. Like, doesn't she have NFL Live tomorrow? 
Maybe, but she made the time for it, and I'm not shocked. I mean, you know she's a Seattle fan through and through, so I'm mm-hmm. sure they wanted her to be a part of it, and I'm sure she was more than happy to fly up from L.A. and be a part of it because that is where she's from, right? Or not from, but she's in L.A. right now. Mm-hmm. I wish they put her in the lineup. It was a real shame. That would have been fun. Meanwhile, I mean, we're sitting here Sunday night. We're only halfway through this thing, and the best two days are ahead. <laughs> we're a little exhausted, aren't we? I mean, we're sitting here pushing through this podcast because – I mean, one, we love it. And two, we're doing it for you guys. We want to get the content out there and we don't want to miss shows ever, but we are tired. Like this, this stuff will drain you being out in the sun all day, walking around, being on your feet. It's tiring. My voice will sound infinitely worse when we record Friday's episode, infinitely worse. So worse, just, just beware. I'm, I'm going to have to drink some tea here. I need some voice recovery. I'm just not very, for those who haven't picked up on it yet, uh, in social gatherings i'm not very efficient at voice management um so maybe sometimes i just dial it down a little bit just a little bit so you can imagine when you know we had 75 people packed into the back room of gantries today or yeah gantry and the music's blaring and people are talking and i'm just trying to have a conversation talking really loudly and sometimes it just happens a little bit too much. But honestly, maybe it was Cowgirls too. I honestly, actually, you know what? I think it was Cowgirls. I'll blame Cowgirls. I was going to say, I think it's more of that. So for those who don't know, Cowgirls is the go-to bar after Mariners games. There's a mechanical bull. It's kind of like a nightclub. We've been there a couple times and we figured on Saturday night, we were going to be home by nine o'clock, go to bed early and just rest and recover for the next day. But we're with some of these just baseball people, and they said, do you want to go to Cowgirls? We said, I guess so. And and 9 o'clock then turned into 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock. I think we got back to TJ's house around 12. I think I got home around 1, got to bed as fast as possible, and tried to get some sleep for the next day being Sunday. But now we're sitting here on Sunday night recording our podcast. It's now 10.45 p.m. So, yeah, they're they're long days. They're really fun days. but. They've ended up being long. I think my kryptonite, honestly, is tequila and sing-along music. That I, I think that's where we're going to narrow it down to. <laughs> that sounds about right. I think, I think yeah. that's about spot on. I will, though, say, though, Cowgirls, even though it was fun the second time, I did like your music selection when we went back in the first weekend of the season. I thought it was a little more consistent. That's all. That's all. Only thing I have to pass off. This fall, stream your favorites and discover more with Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus together. Watch the highly anticipated new season of Loki and see the ghosts materialize in Haunted Mansion on Disney Plus. Catch more frights with The Boogeyman and American Horror Story Delicate on Hulu. And on ESPN Plus, get into the action with college football and NFL. All of these and more streaming now. Get the Disney Bundle with plans starting at $9.99 a month plans with espn plus starting at 14.99 a month terms apply see disneybundle.com for details we do have some actual mariner stuff to talk about Lyle, as we get into our now two mariner storylines here in the shortened uh now shorter episodes so the big league club has won seven of nine sneakily going into the break they with a win today against the astros it's now seven of nine So now you ask the question, and we talked to Bob Stelton about this last week on our episode, and it's a good question. So I thought it is appropriate now at the end of the first half to bring this up again. When can we qualify the Mariners as buyers with less than a month to go before the deadline? It's a good question. And just to clarify before we dive into this, now that we are doing the two shows a week, instead of doing the three Mariner storylines over the course of a one-week show, we're going to do two Mariner storylines per episode, now doing two-a-week shows, so it's four total Mariner storylines per week. So for this show, we'll do two, Friday we'll do two, so on and so forth. Back to your question. How far within that final wild card spot do they have to be within to be buyers is how I'm trying to think about this. They're four out right now. If they're three out with a week before the deadline, that should qualify as being buyers, right? If you're three out of the wild card with two months to go, you're absolutely in striking distance. And if that's where they are, I think you have to be buying. I think you have to go get a couple bats. I mean, am I wrong for that? 
Along those lines, yes, but I think it's less necessarily of what those teams already in those spots that you have to gain on do and more about what you do out of the break. There's a pretty notable 10-game home stretch right out of the break against two t- uh, against the Tigers. Uh, I have the three teams written down. What the the Blue Jays uh, is it's, another. It's, yeah, and and the Twins. Mm-hmm. Twins. Yeah. yeah, those are the three, right? Yeah, and two of those teams are ahead of you in the standings. Ten straight games at home out of the break. You should win what? seven or eight of those, if you if you want to slam dunk, be a buyer, out of the break. That dumps you around uh, the exact date, I think around the 25th of July, which is less than a week before the deadline. You need to rip off a great 10-game stretch at home, I think, to stamp yourself as like confident buyers, not like a little like futuristic trade where Jerry's like, oh, this guy's going to help us in the future. Like, no, it they're going to actually go out and acquire something of impact. I think you like you really need to make a statement in his first home stand out of the break. This is what happens when you play 500 throughout the first half and the deadline's creeping up on you. Like it's you say like why are we making decisions based off 10 games? Well, they're essentially 500 now through the first nearly 90 games of the season. And you got to show some separation if you're actually going to go out and actually going to buy and actually feel confident it's worth giving up some of your prize prospects to go get major league talent. So I'm, I'm calling it seven or eight out of the first 10 out of the break to actually stamp themselves as buyers. Six probably is not enough. Six out of 10, because winning six out of 10 on this homestand is too similar to everything else they've done in the first half. That's too much treading water. And we're getting to the point in the season where they cannot continue to tread water. If they want to make the postseason. you have to actually take advantage and motor through some of these teams. If you want to climb your way up the standings, make a statement, actually gain momentum and, cl- and and get closer and closer to that final wild card spot. So you're right at home against teams that are ahead of you and the tigers, you have to take advantage. I think seven of 10 is the minimum. If you are absolutely serious about being buyers. Now, I think if they're three out with a week to go, no matter what happens, They should be going for it no matter what. Just get yourself in, and that rotation can give you a chance in the playoffs. But if you really want to sell the team, the front office, the fans, everybody, that this is still a team that can compete, yeah, 7 of 10 this upcoming homestand should be the bar. I know that Blue Jays series is going to drive me crazy. It's like the Canadians are going to drive me crazy, and it's going to be the biggest series of the season. Like You're going to be playing a road game in your home park with are you know at that point I'm going to guess is going to be the biggest series of the season. For sure. And you know there's going to be a bunch of blue and red in that stadium which is not going to be fun. Here's a question for you as we start to wind down on this first topic. Can the Mariners trade Tom Murphy and still be buyers? Can they say we can ship him off to get prospects back in return? but still buy elsewhere? Or do you have to hold on to Murphy to be buyers? I don't think you'd, I don't think that's, a, that would be a good idea. I don't think so. Cause I don't think thinking about it a little bit more after we talked about it, I think last week of if it would be worth it to trade Tom Murphy. And I threw out some like, Oh, remember Austin Nola. But the thing I somehow forgot is that Austin Nola had at least four years of control left when the Mariners traded him Tom Murphy does not have four years of control left. That's pretty significant when it comes to trading prospects. So when it comes to trading someone with four years of control, it's like, oh, I'd be a little more comfortable giving up a better prospect because we're going to, should getting, be getting four years out of this guy. Well, they're only getting two months out of Tom Murphy, whoever would get him. That doesn't lead to much prospect return for the Mariners. Nothing that would actually be of impact this season and potentially even next season. I mean, you'd, you'd be asking for a total flyer if you were actually going to win that trade. The way the Mariners lineup looks, it has been swinging better lately, but I do not think you can trade Tom Murphy. He honestly, outside of the guy we're going to talk about next, is your best option at DH. you got to score runs. There still hasn't been enough guys in the lineup to say, hey, we're, we're comfortable trading away Cal's backup. Second of all, like who's coming up? Like Jeff Cooper Hummel's not 
Jeff, I mean, Jeff, yeah, sure. But no offense to Jeff. Is he going to put up the Tom Murphy offensive numbers? Probably not. That's that's probably fairly. I mean, it's certainly not right away. I mean, Tom Murphy over the last month has been a legit offensive catalyst. So, yeah, I mean, there's catchers in the system, right? There's Brian O'Keefe. There's Cooper Hummel. But you're right. To ask those guys to do what Tom Murphy's currently doing is not realistic. So if you're going to go and try and win, yeah, you should keep Tom Murphy. So I'm with you. I just wanted to pose the question to see what your two cents on it was. But I think if you're going for it, you've got to keep that guy to be your DH, to be a good bench bat, to be the backup catcher, because he's too valuable right now to ship off. I think you would see a reaction similar to what happened when Graveman got traded in 21. Now, mm-hmm. Graveman, the trade itself was the right idea, but the reaction will be, I would say, almost similar because Murphy has actually provided good value for you this season and is a value contributor of this baseball team. You cannot say you're going to win and trade away valuable pieces mm-hmm. that detriment your roster just to just for the just because oh he's going to be a free agent. Well, that doesn't help you right now. I agree. They've got to keep Tom Murphy if they want to try and win. You want to bring him back next year? I know he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season, but you want to bring him back? Guess what? He's probably not going to be that expensive, and you know he likes it here. So if they really want to bring Tom Murphy back to be the backup catcher next year, they probably can. So if that's the case, you just keep him. And you know what's a way not to bring him back? Is if you trade him and he's like, what the fuck? Correct. Now, speaking of guys that have been hitting lately and a team that's been hitting lately, has anybody been in the headlines more than Mike Ford? No. I couldn't believe he's hitting 400 his last, uh, uh, what is it, since the 24th? 410. We hate batting average, but that's a, that's a bizarre number. 410 average, 255 WRC plus since the 24th of June. Like, only Mookie has been better over that stretch. He's ahead of guys like Matt Olson, Shohei, and Ronald Acuna. I mean, come on. (laughs) So this is our second storyline here is Mike Ford is on an absolute tear. Through 30 games, or entering today's game, he was at 30 games with the Mariners this year. And it was a 953 OPS. 163 WRC plus. And as you mentioned just a second ago, since June 24th, it's way over 200. Not to mention, Mike Ford has not been all or nothing. This guy's walking over 12% of the time. He's only striking out about 25% of the time since the 24th of June. He is not just flailing out and running up a 40% strikeout rate. He has been a good hitter with a lot of power. And he has been, he's been the Carlos Santana of this year if not better, over this 30-game stretch. Um, it's just – have you looked at how much of the production he's put in the DH spot? It's it's really bizarre. He already has half the total home runs in the DH spot, and he's played a quarter of the games at DH. Like, if, if that isn't sad, I don't. I really don't know what is. Maybe a dog dying. That's, that's, that's probably the only thing that's sadder for me personally. Um, you know, RBIs as well. It, it, it's just bizarre. He's the only player – in the DH spot with over an 800 OPS, who has had more than 10 plate appearances at the position. The only one of your DH where it's like, okay, we want you to have an 800 OPS. And he's the only one with 10 plate appearances in that spot with an OPS over 800. It just makes me wonder, should he have made the opening day roster? In other words, I wonder how much the Tacoma bats actually made the difference this year or not. Because we know how Tacoma is. We know how the PCL is. Could Mike Ford have just been doing this since early April? Or was it truly being in Tacoma that helped them? Well, that's a good question. Uh, to be honest, after watching the DHs in April, I would have said he should probably should have made the roster. <laughs> Pretty confidently. It, it's not like he was struggling much in Tacoma. Take it with a grain of salt. But when you're hitting as well as he did in Tacoma, are you getting better or are you just hitting well? That's probably right. The point being, he has been a legitimate savior for the Mariners offense. I mean, I know they didn't win that game in Baltimore, but the fact he hit that home run off Felix Batista down to their last out and reties that game. The fact that now when you have him in the DH spot, you look at that position and say, oh, They could get some production today. It is not a dead spot in the lineup. 
And the offense just feels so much more rounded out with much more potential for power with Ford in there. You feel good about him being in there. I want him to just start, let him hit against lefties now. I, I'm like, the, the op, unless it's Tom Murphy against a lefty, which they won't always do because they like having a backup catcher behind Cal. Um, yeah, if you're asking me if I'd rather see A.J. Pollock or Mike Ford against, oh, I don't know, pick, pick your star lefty. I mean, Framber pitched today, but let's just say Framber. Who would you rather see? I mean, at this rate, I'd say, you know, Mike Ford. Well, Framber pitched yesterday being Saturday, but close enough. All right, yeah. All right. It it all it all melts together. But pick your pick your lethal left hander from anywhere in the American League. And you'd ask me, do I want this version of AJ Pollock or this version of Mike Ford? And Mike Ford has given me no reason to to bench him against lefties. If the Mariners play the Rays in the playoffs and Shane McClanahan's on the mound, I would sit here and tell you I'd rather have Mike Ford in the lineup. Absolutely. That's not even a question. So credit to you, Fordo. And of course, uh, among all those people I listed off here that he's been better than since the 24th of June, Matt Olson, Shohei, Ronald Acuna. Like, they're all very good baseball players, but they don't have an Ivy League degree. So Ford's got them beaten both. And they're not a friend of this podcast like Mike Ford now is. Correct. Great guy, Mike Ford. Great guy. So we, we appreciate Mike Ford. Uh, it, so this is another plug to just stay tuned to our social channels because We'll have some more Mike Ford content coming out throughout the next couple of weeks. So look out for it. Yeah. Look out for it. He was great. I mean, he stood there. He was funny. He gave great answers. I mean, he was really cool. So, and and he seemed happy to do it. So shout out to Fordo. Is it a coincidence that he just happens to be going off after doing these interviews? Eh, I'll leave that up to debate. Yeah, that, that is up for the viewer to decide if you subscribe to conspiracy theories let's go a little younger as we appreciate fordo and let's go down on the farm i thought in this segment here today we did talk about a little bit at the beginning but we can hash it out a little bit the futures game was on saturday which was yesterday for us and a few days ago when you're listening to this Uh, in terms of mariners prospects stuff it was mostly a day to forget, a couple of strikeouts from Class A and Ford, and that was the only action essentially they saw the entire game. Jonathan Class A made a nice catch in center field, I'll give him that. So that was cool. But in terms of what they did at the plate, there wasn't much. Harry Ford only got one at bat, to be fair. And I said before the start of the at bat, I am going to call that he walks because what do we always talk about with Harry Ford? His on base percentage is always at 400. Great plate approach, walks a lot. I figured, well, He'll probably walk in the Futures game. That'd probably, that'd probably be on brand. But he got it to a 3-2 count and he struck out. So you're right. It, it, there's not that much to update from the Futures game. It was cool to see Class A make a nice catch, but there were no balls leaving the yard off the bat of Ford or Class A. I was just, the thing that was honestly most intriguing of the Futures game, we were sitting pretty close to the field. And you could really get the size of some of these guys. Seeing James Wood up there at the plate, I think he clocked a sprint speed there of like over, over 30 feet per second, which was pretty bananas. That dude is unbelievable. I can't believe he was like a, I can't believe he was a throw in for the Soto trade that just, just kind of, kind of makes me laugh. I think Washington made out okay with that one. Uh, Spencer Jones as well. That dude's also pretty tall. He was at Bandy last year. Seeing him step up to the plate, like, well, he's, He's kind of taller than everyone else. I, there's one guy, I guess, non-Mariners Lyle, that I, I wanted to highlight here because I thought it was super cool. Uh, Jacob, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, uh, Mizorowski, I think, mm-hmm. of the Brewers. Mm-hmm. He was just torching guys. He touched, I think, 102 and a half. He threw 10 of his 18 pitches over 100 miles an hour, and his stuff was moving. It was not flat. It was going all over the place. So I had no idea who this dude was before he entered the game yesterday. I looked it up. So he's he's part of the Brewers system. Second rounder. I think he was a Juco guy. I don't know much about him. He was a pretty lengthy kid when he got up on the mound. And we're sitting at the game watching with all the just baseball guys. We met up before the game, all sat together and watched the game. And a couple of these guys, as he's warming up, are saying, this guy's throwing cheddar. And I don't think they had the velos up on the radar gun yet at the stadium. So I couldn't tell that much either just off the eye whether it was 94 or 99 but then he starts throwing in live action and the radar guns popping up 101 100 102 101 I was like oh my god yeah that guy's unreal 
I don't know when he's getting up for the Brewers, but that guy's going to be a back end reliever real quick, and he's going to be mighty effective. He was he was nasty. So that was probably the highlight of the day for me. Otherwise, it was cool seeing all the the really highly touted prospects. But you know, a seven inning prospects game for me personally is just kind of a kind of a shoulder shrug. You see the Mariners guys, and you you kind of gawk at all the at all the the other prospects. But in the end, it was essentially just a showcase. No more than you know the celebrity softball game was, where we saw just only slightly worse play on the field. Well, as we get into our MLB wraparound here, let's dive into the celebrity softball game. So JoJo Siwa, I'll give her 70-grade run, maybe 50-grade arm. Um, who who else are we going to give grades to here? Joel McHale has some power potential. Could go from 40-grade power to 50-grade power as time goes on. He's going he's gonna to have to hit the weight room a little bit, but power could go up. Mike Cameron trying a little bit too hard. It's like, yeah, dude, you're an ex-baseball player. Like, take it easy on some of these celebs who would look like they'd never picked up a bat before. <laughs> oh, we still only got to watch two innings of that celebrity softball game. I would have loved to watch more. Better things to do. Yeah, that's what I've been told. But Futures game was cool. Saturday as a whole was cool. I think we should get to our actual MLB wraparound here. As we do that, there are some storylines in baseball leading up to the All-Star break and All-Star week. One of them being a team in our own division, the AL West. The Angels have injuries piling up yet again. What a 4th of July it was for the Angels. I mean, think about this timeline. 11.45 in the morning, Mike Trout, uh, they announce he fractured the handmate bone in his wrist uh, and he gets placed on the injured list. Anthony Rendon at 4.40 p.m. Pacific, fouled the ball off his left leg and leaves the game. He has not played in a game since then. 5.30, Shohei exits off the mound. He has a blister. He's not going to pitch in the All-Star game, and they're expecting him to make his next start on the 15th against the Astros. But in the span of about a little over five hours, the Angels' season nearly ended. It's not great. And now they're right floating around 500 again. I don't know where their season's going to go from here because you have Trout down for six to eight weeks. That can tank your season. Not to mention the fact that they have other injuries now too. This is not good news for the Halos. Rendon, yeah. Like Rendon stunk this season, but it's unsure if he's going to be back after the All-Star break. He wasn't given a super optimistic look to his injury. Blisters sometimes are a worry, sometimes aren't with pitchers. It really depends on the pitcher. But Shohei, again, thankfully this all-star break for him comes at the right time. So a little bit more time for his blister to rest. He's And thankfully, when you're as good as Shohei Otani, you can still, you know, just go hit, which is very convenient of him. How nice. Why can't other pitchers think of that? Otherwise, you know, Brandon Drury is also out, a guy who, you know, and in another subject here in the wraparound, we'll look at the all-star game rosters, but he could have been at first, he could have been at second base, made the all-star team for how he's played this season at second for the Angels, but he's been out as well. And now we sit here on Sunday, July 9th, and the Angels have gone four and twelve since June twenty. And have fallen behind the Mariners. So is Shohei getting traded? No. Who's gonna trade for him? What what team would commit the resources necessary to get Otani off the Angels. Oh, I think someone would trade for him. I don't know who it's going to be, but I think somebody would. No contender is going to is going to make themselves arguably worse by trading for him because I I honestly think that's the the kind of package it would take to land Otani. We're not talking about prospects. We're talking about big leaguers. That's what it would require. And contenders don't trade big leaguers when they're contending. It doesn't matter who it's for. Does it get to the point where the Angels would actually bring down the asking price a little bit and just try to get some high-level prospects back? Because in what world is Otani coming back at this point? If all these injuries pile up and the Angels finish the year at or below 500, he's not staying. I don't even think he's staying now, but he's sure as hell not staying if they finish below 500. Don't you want something back for him? 
And I can tell you he sure as hell isn't staying if you trade him. He's not staying if you don't trade him. That's why I'm saying if you're the Angels, I think you have to try and get something back. He's, he still might stay. Uh, like, I'm, again, I'm putting at about 5% because he likes being yeah. comfortable. 5%. But that 5% goes to zero. Now the question is, do the Angels value 5% more than some prospects? That's a bad bet if they do. So maybe maybe he doesn't get traded, but if I were a GM and I was in this position now, I'd probably do it. I wouldn't sell low. Why? I, I can't see any them the Angels selling low on that. I mean, you have quite literally the most valuable asset in baseball, and I'm I'm not sure why you'd make a bad deal on that. I don't get it. That's fair. I guess we'll see how things play out as the trade deadline gets closer and closer. You're probably right that in the end, he doesn't end up getting traded. I just think it's now more and more interesting with all the injuries piling up if they might start to reconsider it. But again, we'll see how it all shakes out. Let's transition to our next storyline. This will result for when you're listening to this for last night's All-Star Game. But we haven't really got a chance to react to the All-Star Game rosters. So I'll throw it to you, Lyle. Uh, taking a look at the rosters, what do you think? Why isn't Whit Merrifield leading off and playing all nine innings? That is a good question. I, I'm looking at it, and I, I really the only two question marks I had on it overall are both Blue Jays. Uh, Whit, first of all, it, it is kind of a weak American League second base class. I will give it that. If we're looking by WRC plus, I believe after you take Drury out because he's hurt, he is second in the American League, and WRC Plus as a second baseman. It's not a very high mark, but he is, like, you know, hitting-wise, second. It it helps he plays a weak position. The one who we should actually be, like, wondering, like, what the fuck is this? Why is Vladdy in there? He's, he's not an all-star this year. He's not, but would people of other fan bases and teams say the same thing about Julio? Julio's been way better than Vladdy has. Julio's been yeah. worth over two wins. Vladdy's at like half a win. Yeah, that one seems like a stretch. I mean, I, I I don't know why Vladdy didn't want to do the Derby again this year. That could have been his way to get to All-Star Week and still participate in the festivities. But that one, that one's a stretch, Vladdy. And he's got, he's got, he didn't get fan voted in. They no. put him on the roster. Yeah, exactly. He, he was a late ad. So, and they did it probably for similar reasons that they made sure to get Julio in. Even though, like you said, Julio's still on pace for just shy of five wins. He's still probably going to finish the year with 25 bombs and 35 plus stolen bases. But yeah, it's a little bit of a pander pick to get Vladdy in because they're trying to get all the stars in, the popular guys in. Like if you don't play, like literally go to fan graphs and click on first baseman and sort it. And look, it's bizarre. I honestly didn't even realize how low he was on the list. It's... It's crazy. All these guys are in front of him, but that's, yeah. It People like to complain about this stuff. That's why I don't want to, like, look too much into this because, like, in the end, we're going to bitch about the all-star rosters every single year because they're, people are going to put favorites in. And, you know, that's just what it is. We realized it this week as we're walking around all-star week. Like, we, we said, well, Julio probably doesn't deserve to get into this all-star game. And me and you are looking around. It's like, wow, they have a lot of really big banners of Julio around here. What were they going to do with these if he didn't make it? That was never a possibility, was it, for MLB? <laughs> they were getting them no. in one way or another. I'm like, yeah. it's. I mean, there is literally, like, we took a photo next to it. A 30-foot, not 30, 20-foot tall poster with Julio on top of Mookie when you walk into the MLB uh what is it the the park the the play ball park play ball park right as you walk in I mean 20 feet tall of Julio like yeah. where were they gonna put that and they're like oh man we're gonna have to put someone else on here now those were my other two takeaways was one we haven't done a podcast since the announcement that George Kirby and Julio were both added in so obviously congratulations to them that's awesome George Kirby is every bit deserving to be in that game I thought he should have been in originally but the fact they got him in period is what's important the other thing is all three original starting outfielders in the American League are not starting Mike Trout Aaron Judge Jordan Alvarez they're not playing and I think the replacements, though, I, I think they got them right. Yeah, I think so. 
I think with the outfield, they did a good job. Yeah, I, I know people have been like, I honestly didn't even realize how good of a year Adolis is having. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it is kind of like a, a knife twist for, for Mariner fans, but uh, at least for some of us, not maybe for a different faction of Mariner fans, that the Rangers are going to get so many starters in their own ballpark. But to be honest, I think all those guys deserve to, you know, be a prominent role in the All-Star game. So, you know, credit to them. They did it. Should we talk about the NL at all? Just just some thought about the NL because I just realized all our talk there was about American League guys. I thought it was interesting Kodai Senga got added because that's an exciting guy to have in the All-Star game. He's had his ups and downs as a rookie for sure, which is expected. But to see that ghost fork on live display here in Seattle in the big event at the All-Star game, I think will be a really cool one. So late addition, and he's not the feature guy of the National League team, but that was one that stood out to me. I, th- I didn't have as many takeaways with the National League. Uh, I mean, interesting that Josiah Gray made it. I know the Nationals had to put him in, but Josiah Gray, like, wasn't very good at all. I, there's, I feel like there's probably someone else they could have put in on the Nationals. But otherwise, you know, this is a pretty solid group of, of guys on this National League roster. Even starting-wise, you could have, like, a maybe a little bit of beef with um, – no, that's reserve. I think Orlando Arcia, yeah, Orlando Arcia is starting the All Star game, which you could probably be fat. But otherwise, you know, I thought Nolan was having more of a down season than he is. He's honestly not. Third base is having a down offensive year overall as a position. So Nolan put himself back in that starting spot. You know, Freeman, Rise, Murphy, those are all right. Corbin starting in the park he grew up going to, super cool. And you know, Mookie and Ronald, I mean, who no one's going to complain about that. I, like, it's going to be really interesting who the starting pitchers are going to be. I'm very curious to see uh, when they announce those. We don't know those yet. But overall, like National League, I thought they did a pretty good job. I think the two gripes with the NL are, to your Nationals point, I think a lot of people thought Lane Thomas could have get gotten in, and I agree with that. I think he could have gotten in over Josiah Gray for sure. I think Mets fans are less than thrilled that Geraldo Perdomo got in over Francisco Lindor. That one is interesting. Yeah, that one was interesting too. Like Lindor, he hasn't hit as well this year as he did last year, but his defense is so good that his value continues to be about as high as it possibly could be. He he has been worth every penny of that contract so far. Mm-hmm. Oh, one last thought. I know it's within the rules, but I don't care. Fernando Tatis should be in this All-Star game. I know because oh, he got yes. popped for steroids that he's not in. He should be in. He should be starting. Yeah. Yeah. Dude's now he, like the best right fielder in baseball. He's barely played any right field. Is it, the best athletes always continue to be the best. And so you could say, yeah, it's not a true National League outfield without Fernando Tatis in it. It's not. He, he has, he is, he's amazing. He is amazing. Remember when we said the Mariners should trade for him? That was fun. That was oh, yeah. fun. Padres fans about. are not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. But hey, you know what? I can't blame him on that. He seems to be fitting in in the outfield perfectly fine. Uh, let's close out this wraparound. Tigers combined for their first no hitter in history. And I know everyone was just popping confetti to celebrate it. The Tigers needed something in their season, didn't they? I mean, it's not like they're, it's all roses over there at Comerica Park. So it was nice for them to have a nice moment. Matt Manning, who certainly has not had the start of a career that he probably imagined as a top 10 prospect. He did the bulk of the work. He went six and two thirds innings, five strikeouts. Jason Foley and Alex Lang came in to finish the job, but it's nice for them to have a moment. Again, they have not had many highlights in this season. I couldn't believe for as historic of a franchise the Tigers are, they've never had a combined no-hitter. I thought that was a uh, that was a fun little note. Sarah Langs of MLB.com put together a cool little uh, history packet of, of, of that no-hitter. So pretty cool, and I was shocked. Only the 20th combined no-hitter in baseball history. Again, I thought there would have been more, but to be honest, I think most of them have come since uh, 2011, which is uh, it's pretty interesting. So good, good on the Tigers. Getting that no-hitter, uh, unless you have anything else to add. That's the second no-hitter of the season total, right? The other one being, I don't think we've done a podcast since Domingo Herman's perfect game, which would be the other. Those are the only two so far this year, right? Really couldn't happen to a better guy. Yeah, for real. That was not a fun day because that was the same day. 
it was one of those Nationals games. Was it the day that Patrick Corbin, like, just carved him up? Yeah, I think so. That sounds about right. <laughs> so, what a day that Patrick Corbin, maybe the worst starter in baseball, just carves up the Mariners lineup in a game they absolutely should have won after a miserable loss the night before in that extra inning game against the Nationals. And to top it off, Felix Hernandez's perfect game streak gets snapped by a guy who is not very easy to root for. No, no. A domestic abuser. So, and he did it against not a major league baseball team too. So does it even count? Eh. Let's go with no, even though we're absolutely counting Bryce Miller's dominant start in his debut against the A's. No, we're going to be biased and say Domingo's doesn't count. It's like the 2020 titles. They don't count. That works for me. Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Okay, <laughs> let's get to our Russell Wilson umpire of the week. Lyle, would you like to bring this one in? Sure. So let's give a hat tip and a nice congratulations to Shane Livensbarger. He is this week's winner. He was behind the plate on Saturday. That was July 8th for the Rockies-Giants game. He received an accuracy score that ranked as the seventh worst score of the entire season. He called 79% of his strikes right. League average is 88%. He missed 11 total strike calls in this game. 11. And this is your job. Now, I'm going to take a different turn with this segment. Ready for this. This might blow your mind. Did you know the overall accuracy of this game, right, was 87%. That snapped Shane Livensparger's streak of consecutive game where the overall average of correct calls was over 90%. He did that for 94 games in a row, the seventh longest streak all time. So this outing was honestly a rarity for Shane Livensparger. Oh, so this guy's actually a good ump and he just had one bad day? Yes. (laughs) Oh, now I feel kind of bad. Because there, okay, so as much trashing on umpires as we do, there are the Pat Hobergs of the world, who is the best umpire in baseball, who is spot on with his strike zone almost always. There are good ones out there. But the reason we obviously do this segment is because more often than not, there are plenty of stories that are very worthy of being put in the spotlight of umpires trying to be part of the show. All right, maybe Shane Levensbarger just had a bad day. Now, let me frame it this way. We had to highlight his streak somehow. We wouldn't have talked about it on the podcast unless he had a bad day. So That's this true. is a way to honestly promote the good umpires. Okay, so it honors Shane Levensbarger. We're, we're doing a full 180 of this in a spin zone. Can I just Here's say, though? another 94 games in a row, Mr. Levensbarger. Yes, Now, can I just say, speaking of 11 missed strike calls, going back to sitting at the Futures game this week, also because I've watched a few few games in Tacoma this year when I visited our friend Jeremy, who works with the Mariners, and he's with the Rainiers this year, the challenge system works, and it works really well. They were literally using it at T-Mobile Park for the Futures game on Saturday. The technology is there. It works. And guess what? Players know when they get robbed. These guys are not just asking for the challenge after every pitch. They know when a call's wrong because they are that good at knowing the strike zone. So guess what? If it's working in the minors, why is it not here in the big leagues right now? Didn't you get a good chuckle? I forget who's at the plate. The first challenge of the game, I mean, the ball was at least six inches above the strike zone, if not more. And they showed it on the big screen. (laughs) And you could hear a collective laugh from the entire crowd. Yeah. I mean, that one was bad. But point being, if the technology's there, why are we not already using it? The umpires and Major League Baseball decided, hey, halfway through the 2021 season, we're going to change the rules right in the middle of the year where pitchers can't use sticky stuff and spider tack anymore. You can change things in the middle of the year. Why aren't we doing things for the greater good and bringing in the challenge system right now? Because it's too logical. That's about right. Absolutely, it's too logical. One day, though. One day. Okay. Let's close out the show here. Let's get to Speak Your Mind. Speak Your Mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. 
There could be a million things you're thinking about this week, TJ, but what is it? I know you're going to enjoy this one. I thought, man, there's a ton of baseball things we could talk about, but we talked a lot about baseball throughout the day and on this podcast and outside of our segments too. So I thought, okay, we need a change of pace. When in doubt, what do we need to talk about? Now the NBA is over, but I have gotten the biggest laugh ever. The fact that I am reading headlines when I scroll on Twitter that Skip Bayless has to take two months off because he cannot find a replacement to debate him on Undisputed. And it's the least shocking thing ever. I swear, people listen to Speak Your Mind at this point, and we always talk about, yeah, it's our segment of the show where we get away from baseball and just talk about whatever we're thinking about. And to be fair, you're getting a key to our, our brains here, and you're unlocking what's in our head by you, the listeners, listening to this segment However, that being said, you're taken away probably after months of doing this being, wow, these guys talk a lot about Elon, the NBA, and Skip Bayless. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but he has to, I can't believe, like, he's like, man, they're just, it's too difficult to find a replacement for Skip Bayless. It is too hard to find somebody willing to get paid millions of dollars to, to sit across the table from Skip. I mean, I would do that. <laughs> Sign me up. No offense, Lyle, but I would quit this podcast in a second, put my suit on, and you skip. LeBron is the greatest of all time. Oh, if Skip had me across the desk and started spewing about LeBron, I'd just totally change the subject on him. I'd be, yeah, but Skip, Shohei Otani's WRC Plus is approaching 180. Now, what do you think of that, buddy? And then he'd just be left silent. my turn! Okay, but what do you think about Jared Kelnick's hard hit rate? It's up, it's you know. My turn. LeBron sucks. I just try to make him look stupid by using like in-depth, advanced stats, baseball logic on him, and try to make him look stupid. When was the last time they used a stat on that show? Do they use probably stats? Never, probably Besides never. But, rings. Probably never. But I don't know. Like, who watches that show? I don't watch that show. No, <laughs> I'd love to see what their live numbers are on television. I. I don't know how they they honestly stay on network television. I don't know how it's just not like a YouTube show. Yeah, because nobody is sitting down eating their breakfast. It's one thing when you say you're going to sit sit down, eat your breakfast in the morning, turn on Sports Center. You're going to turn on the news. You're going to turn on uh, Kelly and Ryan. My mom watches that all the time. Nobody is sitting down eating their breakfast and getting their daily intake of sports news from Undisputed. No, not at all. Uh, But I thought that was funny. I was like, man, who could have seen this coming? Yeah. Who could have seen it coming that, oh, maybe Skip Bayless isn't so fun to work with. I mean, hey, he called out Charles Barkley to be his new host, but I don't think that's happening. I mean, think about the requirements to essentially be in a quote-unquote relationship with Skip as his co-host. Think about what his wife has to go through. They do not sleep in the same bed in the middle of the week because he says he needs to be as prepared as possible. <laughs> yeah, and he get and he gets up at two in the morning to start working out because if he doesn't, he's gonna have a bad day at work and let Shannon Sharp just run all over him, as he puts it, even though I'm sure you'd be more rested if you didn't get up at two in the morning. He did a whole podcast episode because he missed a workout. <laughs> That's Sounds just... kind of like you, dog. Uh, so maybe a little bit. A little bit. Not... Yeah, I don't. I don't like the idea. That's where this is going with, with trying to make bit. the make the comps between me and Skip Bayless. Because guess what? I consider myself a very nice person and friendly and willing to talk to just about anybody. I don't know if Skip's like that. But if you're trying to draw comps in the sense of, well, you guys watch a lot of sports, you like to work out. I mean, like all get up you, early in the morning to work out is, I think, what I was getting at. Yeah, I don't, I don't like where these similarities are going. So, so why don't we just yeah. shut it down right there? Because I don't oh. want to be compared to, I don't want to be compared to Skip Bayless. Mm. So, you're what's just, on your mind, dog? Okay, little bit of a different topic here. Still somewhat sports related, but not exactly. So we didn't talk about this on the last show, but that Michael Rubin party that he threw was just insanity. I mean, if you watch the minute and a half recap of it that he posted on Twitter, 
it's almost overwhelming how many famous people and A-list celebrities are in that video. I mean, you want to list off the athletes. It goes from people like Killian Mbappe to Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Hey, nice to see Kevin Durant got off Twitter to go to that party, by the way, to a bunch of NFL stars like Odell and Tom Brady and Robert Kraft. And then you see Kim Kardashian, you see Jack Harlow, you see Jay-Z. I mean, it was literally insane. It felt like every famous person on the planet was at that party. It was almost overwhelming. And Grant Williams is there too. Oh, that's a little bit of a needle in a haystack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I see parties like that and I wonder like, man, how many world problems could happen if like this group of people like decided to do something? Just fun to think about. It is. Here's the, here's the exercise I was using to think about after seeing that. Now think about this question hard because I did. Would it be fun to be that famous or no? Depends where your priorities are in life, I guess. Depends what your goals are. Depends what you value and what makes you happy. Because those Does people, money and attention and fame make you happy? Maybe. And I'm, I'm not saying the money part is the part that you wouldn't like. I'm sure everybody would like to have a ton of money. But what I'm getting at is those people at that party, for the most part, probably cannot walk outside their house without getting mobbed by fans. So – does that get old after a certain amount of time? I feel like maybe. Like you can't even go to the store on your own. Well, I think the uh, digits in their bank account more than make up for it. I do kind of get the human sense you're talking about there, but you know, I kind of struggle to find remorse in that. I mean, I do. I mean, we're we're talking. We are talking about like the one percent of the one percent of athlete and influencer and just person like on this planet, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe a tiny little shred of of remorse for that, but, you know, that's that's probably all you'll get from me because it did look fun, I will say. It did, it did look like an absolute blast. I have no idea where that house is. It looked like an unbelievable location, and, you know, the video was just insane seeing all the people, and, and I still can't get over the fact that they invited Grant Williams, and that's just <laughs> such a random... <laughs> Random invite in that group of like some of the greatest, like most influential figures of all time. I think Sterling Shepard was there too. Isn't that a little bit of a weird one? Yes. Yeah. I don't think Sterling Shepard is in that group. I don't either. Also, I think the house was in the Hamptons. Big shocker. Oh, massive shocker. So that's what I was thinking about. I just thought, one, it was pretty insane to see all those celebrities all in one spot. But two... I was just thinking about would it be fun to be that famous or not? So debate it for yourselves because I think it's actually an interesting topic. With that, that'll just about wrap up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know by now, or if you're a new listener coming over from the Just Baseball side and wanted to check us out and you don't know, you can find our full audio podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. If you want the full video podcast, that's on YouTube. They're all on YouTube. Make make sure to rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars, help us beat the algorithm, and go check out our social media channels as well, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. For TJ Matthewson, this is Lyle Goldstein. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.